You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Chris Motes. And we're broadcasting Real Presence Live this morning from the South Dakota Catholic Conference office. That's right. Got to get it out there. All of it. Here we are. (laughs) It's It's kind of a mouthful. It is. When then you add office, it doesn't fit. So (laughs) we're going to, I'm coming up with a new name. Lodging or I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The Lodge of. (laughs) No, but we're broadcasting today in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're talking about the South Dakota Catholic Conference, or not the South Dakota Catholic Conference. South Dakota Right to Life Life Convention. There we We go. We are in Respect Life Month. We are. So it's very fitting. Just talked with two great guys, Dale and Shane. And it's already into the second hour. Yeah. Which is hard to believe. It's it always is. By, it, it always goes fast. I've done this a couple times, and I'm always shocked when we're heading into the second hour. I know. Well, and I've been doing faith and politics for a while now for Real Presence Radio, and it's like a half an hour just goes oh by my in the goodness. blink of an eye. Yeah. So tell people, when does your show air? Yeah, Faith and, faith and Politics is uh, a broadcast of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. We range from the soul to the state as we explore those principles that help us live well mm-hmm. as faithful Catholics. It's on every Tuesday night at 8 Central, 7 Mountain Time. or uh, Which is know. perfect right before the rosary. Y- yeah, that's right. And just tune in. You know, I don't know what else is on at that time, like on your other station. So if you wanted, if you'd, I mean, you should listen live if, you, you know, if you're an RPR listener, but you could get it on your like, podcast app too. Yeah. You can get it on Stitcher or whatever, Google yeah. Play. So fantastic stuff yeah. Chris puts puts out there. So also if you missed the first hour, which was fantastic, you can always check out our app or go online to Real Presence Radio. We'll have that up posted later. Yeah. And it, well it's just amazing to me because Real Presence Radio has got this like super professional organization and you think, Oh, they've got like a hundred people in their back office putting this all together, getting all these like you know all these little links to the the podcast and all these little segments. No, it's Eli. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, just Eli. Right. So it's a, well, it's amazing. Our next guest, I'm really excited. I've heard of Mo Irvine before, and now I've got to meet Mo Irvine. Mo is a person to know. That's so, what I hear. Yeah, Mo Irvine. Uh, Mo Irvine. I, I'm going to let her introduce herself here in just a minute, but um, she is, uh, as of this summer, uh, hired on full-time doing prison ministry for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, wow. which is just awesome, awesome work. Uh, we're talking about pro-life stuff today, so maybe right. pr- prison ministry another time. Mo has got some pretty powerful uh, uh, testimony, pro-life uh, ministry stuff in her background that we're going to get into, um, and... There was somebody else who was going to join us. I got it. I just got to say this, and maybe maybe I shouldn't, but he's he's in an airport or on an airplane. Um, one of the guys who was going to be at the convention. So I called up Mo and I said, Mo, it's been in the back of my head for a year that this powerful story. We just got to we got to talk about the story. And so she quoted Father Jeff Norfolk, and she said, "Here we go, Jesus." She, <laughs> we might. So um, I love it. It's up. meant to be. Here we go. That's right. The Lord is providing. So Mo, okay, enough of me chattering. <laughs> Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So hi, I'm Mo Irvine. Um, I am what I've heard Emily Leadham say before, a daughter of the diocese. So I grew up outside of Sioux Falls. Um, I uh, 
went through camps through the diocese, and I taught totus tuus uh, in the diocese and also in uh, Denver one summer. So um, I just have a love for the Sioux Falls diocese and all of the people that you can find here. Um, I am the youngest of five kids. Uh, my parents are just very faithful Catholics. Um, people would ask, like, oh, what did your parents do? Because I have two sisters who are religious sisters, and they're like, oh, well, your parents must have been, like, incredible. What did they do? What did they teach you? And uh, my sister Trish and I, we always just say, I mean, no offense to our parents, but, like, they were just ordinary people mm. that, like, lived well, that uh, loved the Lord, uh, just had political conversations at the dinner table, and talked about truth and that was it and then they just lived it with their lives and um they are the reason why i do what i do so isn't that i mean that just is so striking to me that like that is the witness that our world needs Mm -hmm. it's just ordinary people pursuing holiness in very ordinary ways you know yesterday we just had the the feast of saint therese Mm -hmm. it's very that's a very theresian (laughs) you know thing to so what a what a beautiful beautiful thing to say about your parents yeah yeah and two, so two sister, uh, two of your siblings, two of your sisters are religious sisters. Mm-hmm. And where, where are they at now? Um, so one is a cloistered Carmelite in Alexandria, South Dakota. And the other one is a Capuchin, uh, so a Franciscan sister, uh, out in the Scranton Diocese in Pennsylvania. And then uh, my two other siblings, so not to be forgotten, uh, my brother uh, is married and he has a construction company. Um, and has uh, four kids, <laughs> um, and then my sister Trish teaches at O'Gorman High School, so she's Te- a theology teacher. Teaches theology there. Yeah. Well, one of the I don't know how many of you, if maybe three or four of you, went to Steubenville, but maybe just tell us a little bit about kind of uh, um, leave, leaving the house, going to Steubenville. Why Why'd you go there? <laughs> well, why I went there. Um, well, it felt like home when I visited. Mm-hmm. I just loved the community, um, that the faith was so easily accessible on campus. Um, there was two, maybe three daily masses, just depending on uh, what day it was uh, on campus. But I went there not because my older siblings went there. Like, I wasn't going to go there because of them. I was like, I'm the youngest. I need to do my own thing. <coughs> um, but the just the community and the way that franciscan teaches you how to think um was just incredible and i i didn't want to give that up just because i wanted to do my own thing so sure yeah well we're going to talk about sidewalk counseling here in just a minute and some sidewalk counseling experiences you had as a student at steubenville Mm -hmm. but before we before that do you want to can you say a a few words about just was pro-life part of your upbringing? Do you have any memories of as a child or in the family about sort of receiving these these values? Was it specifically talked about or was it more of kind of just general like in the air you were breathing? Um, Well, it was very much talked about like uh, abortion and just like the different like political um, conversations about it, but also just... uh, like we would do the life chain. I just remember being really young and like standing there and being like really tired of standing on the sidewalk. But, uh, <laughs> but my parents were just like, nope, this is a time when we pray. And like, this is important. Um, and my mom and my dad were just very much like NFP and like family values and the importance of that. Um, like it was an open conversation at the supper table all the time. Um, 
so whether I was like engaging in the conversation, I was or not, I was absorbing it. And so I just remember through elementary school, middle school, high school, like having conversations at school. And like when it would come up, I'd be like, oh, I know this. And like I would share um, just because of what I had heard my parents say and what I had heard at church and just different conversations I'd been around. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was just like the air I breathe, I guess. It was just sure. normal conversation. Um, yeah. So, th- so then when you went off to Steubenville, you, you ended up getting involved in sidewalk counseling, if I remember in Pittsburgh, which was, I don't know, an hour or so away, something like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, what, what attracted you to that, or, or how did you sort of, um, how, how did you come to start doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, there was uh, like a, a fair at Franciscan where you could go and see all these different clubs and groups that you could get involved in. Um, which isn't really the reason why it was just kind of how I got connected. So my sister Trish was going there. So we overlapped uh, a semester and, um, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of it. Like, uh, I would, yeah. I mean, in high school I gave like a speech about like why abortion's wrong and then you have like a debate with your class. And so it was just always something that I like held very important of like respecting the dignity of the human person and like protecting those who can't protect themselves. So, um, going to Franciscan, it was like, this is something that I want to be a part of. My older sisters had had experiences there. They had been praying outside the abortion clinic and we had done it some in Sioux Falls, but, uh, it's nothing <laughs> like in Pittsburgh. So, so what, what is sidewalk counseling? If maybe somebody's never really, right. you know, what, it, what is it? Yeah. So, um, what we like to say, it's not protesting. We're not protesting. We're praying and we're offering support. So, um, all of my philosophy that I get is from this uh, beautiful priest uh, out of Brooklyn, New York. His name is Monsignor Philip Riley, uh, and he he did all the formation for sidewalk counselors. So sidewalk counseling is standing outside the abortion clinic and offering help to the men and women going in um, because we realize that it's a really difficult situation, that it's not just like people don't desire to have abortions. They don't wake up in the morning and say, yeah, I want to have an abortion today. Like that's it's really painful to come to that conclusion. Mm. Um, so sidewalk counseling is just trying to offer um, a listening ear, a support, a, spo- a supportive person, uh, resources. We always have resources to offer them if they decide, hey, maybe this isn't what I want to do. So, One of the – you told me, and this was a year, year and a half, maybe two years ago, that you had some really powerful encounters as a sidewalk counselor – because as you've just mentioned, here's there are people walking in, whether they're working in the facility or they're going there for an abortion or with, with somebody they know who's getting an abortion, that it's not like a joyful event. Right. <clears throat> what are, there's, one, there's one big encounter that I, I want you to tell us about. Can you just tell us tell the story? Yeah. Um, so just a little bit of background of the story. Uh, I would have a lot of conversations with my sister, Trish, um, cause we would both be praying out there at the same time. And she was a sidewalk counselor before I was. Uh, and I just remember like, I knew I wanted to do it, but it's also very intimidating cause you have like 30 seconds to talk to someone as they're going in and you want to know, you want to like have something good to give them so that when they're in there, they're thinking about it. Uh, and you, you don't, you know, like facts and figures at that moment, they're not helpful. You know, telling them, oh, this is this and this is this. Like, that's not going to change their heart. Um, 
so anyway, my sister was talking about how she had seen, uh, the abortion doctors walking in, um, before, and she just realized like how, how much people hate them, how much people, uh, blame them and persecute them. And it really struck me. And I was like, Oh, I want to talk to one of them. Like I, I want to show them that like, even though they do this, that like, that's not who they are. That's just like, there's, there's so much more to them and that even, even their conversion is not hopeless. Like they, they can still see the truth. Um, so it was from that conversation with my sister that I had this inspiration to talk to one of them and I was standing on the sidewalk, uh, just waiting to talk to people as they were walking by. And I didn't know if it was the abortionist or not. I don't like to call him the abortionist because he's more than just that. Um, so I didn't know if it was the doctor. And so then I was like, well, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, you have that internal battle of like, yes, I'm going to. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Uh, and so I'm like terrified standing there. I'm like, no, nope, nope. Maybe, maybe next week, Mo. And then... Uh, my feet were moving and I went up to him and I just said, hi, <laughs> what's your name? And he introduced himself by his first name, which I thought was very interesting um, because he knew that I was there praying against abortion and helping people choose life, not abortion. Um, and yeah, we just, I introduced myself and then, um, you know, it's been a few years, so I'm trying to remember all of the wording, but I, yeah, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> uh, I just asked him. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> no, well, I was going to say, you had a number, that you would see him with some regularity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like at least every other week, we would probably have some small conversation, um, which I just found really intriguing. Uh, I I know that it was the Holy Spirit and the Lord really working because, uh there was really no reason that we should have been talking to each other. Like there was people that knew more or had been there longer that he would have seen. Um, but yeah, I just had multiple conversations with him and he was open in a way that really surprised me. Um, I guess there was one point when I just apologized for all of the cruel things that people had said to him because, you know, my group, so the Franciscan students, we were there praying for them. So we would always have these prayer circles of like six or seven people lining the sidewalk, just not looking at anything, just focusing on praying for all the people who are coming to the abortion clinic. And then we had a few sidewalk counselors, so like four or five. So the primary thing was prayer there. Um, but there was other groups uh, outside the abortion clinic as well, some of them that would be screaming or yelling. And it was just very difficult to stand there and be like, this this is not helping. This is not changing people's hearts. This is hardening them. This is, this is hurting them when they're already hurt people who need healing. Um, so I just apologized to him for all of the cruel things that people had yelled at him. And the most striking thing that he said to me, I was holding a rosary in my hand at the time. And he said, oh, I see you have this, this cross. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a rosary. I was like, wow, do you know the rosary? And he said, it's so interesting that you would say this to me because the cruelest things that I've heard come from people holding the same thing that you're holding. And I remember thinking, wow, this sign of love, this, this rosary, the crucifix is what I see is profound love. The Lord pouring himself out for us. 
And he sees it as a sign of hate of people who have persecuted him, yelled at him, condemned him. And like, that's, that's not what we're going for. How did, when he said that, how did, do you, do you remember how you reacted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just started crying because <laughs> I just felt so bad that like he didn't encounter the Lord as loving and merciful and that people who are evangelizing for the Lord this way. And it was a really interesting um, conversation because I started crying and he's like, oh, no, 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 like, stop crying. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know this is not good. I shouldn't be crying right now. Uh, But I was just so moved by what he had said. Um, And then he goes, "Can, can I give you a hug? And like, that's like breaking rules, man. I mean, we're not supposed to touch them like legally, like we're not supposed to have any contact with them. Uh, and it could just get really bad. But I was just struck by how much he trusted me in that moment and how much I trusted him. He, I hugged him like, and he offered you a hug. Yeah. You were crying. He yeah. Offered you a hug. And it was so like, it was so sobering because I saw one of the other, uh, people. So one of the other groups, praying slash protesting out there. Um, there was, there were more protesters. Um, and we like locked eyes when I'm hugging this doctor and he, cause he has a really hard time loving the doctors, um, or the workers. And it was just really interesting to see like the movement that was happening in him of like, he's hugging her and she's hugging him. Like what's going on? Um, but yeah, that was just like the first conversation. And I was just really struck by how open he was and how he wasn't convinced that this was good and true. Um, I saw questions in him. I saw this fear of what have I been doing with my life? And is this really helping people? Um, because I really think he started from a place of wanting to help people. He had, he had seen people die from back alley abortions and like not getting good medical treatment so i think it came from a place of like i want to help i see this problem i want to help um but yeah he was just questioning like is this actually helping people well this is for me this is just such a powerful thing because when we think pro-life we are obviously and appropriately very concerned about about women about the unborn and and we can almost forget like we don't want to love the people that are doing this it's Mm -hmm. like our love only goes so far. Mm. Our love only goes to the, the unborn or even to the mother who's in a scary situation. But it's hard for our love to extend to the, to the people that are actually mm-hmm. facilitating this. Yeah. And we know that's not the Lord. The, our, the Lord's love extends. The, our, our Lord made that doctor because mm-hmm. he loved him mm-hmm. and he calls him to salvation. So... What a beautiful, beautiful witness. I mean, and you, even after this sort of the tears and, and I, this is radio, so people can't see you. You're, <laughs> you're, um, I sort of have this image of him, like this big guy, and you're a smaller woman, like crying the hug. And you continue to have other encounters with him after, after that, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. About like, uh, every other week at least. So there was two abortionists that would work there. And so sometimes they would switch off and on and, um, yeah, so I had other conversations with them, uh, and it was it was just beautiful because we were both very honest with each other. It wasn't like the show of anything of like 
sometimes some of the abortionists can walk in and be like, oh, it's a great day to be here. It's a, I love going to work. And it's like, I know that comes from a place of like, you're trying to justify in your mind, like, this is good. This is my job. Um, but this doctor and I were just really real with each other. And uh, one day he just said, hey, how's it going, Mo? What's going on? And I'm like, you know, it's just a really hard day. And he's like, oh, yeah, why is that? And I'm like, I don't think you really want to know the answer. I'm like, because I've seen a lot of women go in here and they're suffering and they're, and they're scared. And like, I know this isn't actually going to help them. It's, it's going to hurt them. And that's really hard today. And I, mean, I don't think he was happy with my answer, but he kind of was speechless. He just stood there and he's like, well, yeah, that sounds tough. <laughs> um, but like he, he could have just walked away or he could have, you know, brushed it off and said something else. But, uh, mm. he was, we were just really real with each other. And there were times when, um, he would share some suffering, like he had some illnesses going on and he shared that, um, or just struggles with his family. And I just remember one time asking like, will you pray for me? And he was like, oh, I don't know how to pray. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm confident you do. Like, you pray for me and I'm going to pray for you, right? And like, hopefully we'll make it out of this. Like, okay, you know? Um, but he, he, he said, okay, if I say I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you because I don't promise that, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, so just many encounters with him. Uh, do, yeah. do, you know what, do you know what happened to him? Uh, yeah, so he actually passed away. Um, I'm trying to think of when it was 2014, I think, around there. It kind of suddenly, unexpectedly? Yeah, yeah. He had a heart attack um, while he was uh, out playing uh, sports with uh, some of his friends. So, yeah, please pray for him, uh, for his soul. Well, and that's, uh, we, certainly, we certainly will. And it's one thing you've, you've mentioned throughout our conversation is prayer. Can you say a few words about just the importance of intercessory prayer? Yeah, I mean, it's such a a big thing. I don't even know where to start, but um, just anything we do, any like ministry we do, so um, whether it's sidewalk counseling or it's teaching or uh, any any work that we do, like all of it should be fueled by prayer. Uh, because if I'm doing something and I'm saying, okay, I want, I want to do this for the Lord. Um, sorry. (laughs) If I say, I want to do this for the Lord, then like, I need to be filled with everything that he wants to be poured out to people. Um, so if I'm praying for these women and these men going in the abortion clinic, like I need to know that I'm like filled with the love of the Lord and I'm praying for them because it's not about me. It's not about what I want to happen. I'm an instrument of the Lord. And like one of the things that Monsignor Riley would say is like, I would rather have a thousand people praying than a thousand people sidewalk counseling because the prayer is the thing that changes hearts. Mm. And, um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's what people need. They need the Lord. They don't need me. They don't need the sidewalk counselor. They need the Lord. And so if we're focused on the Lord, like that's what happens. That's. Yeah. That, Actually, this is a great lead-in to our next guest, uh, Dr. Patty Giebink. She's going to be sharing her story at the convention this weekend, the South Dakota Right to Life Convention. But she she's a, a woman who had a conversion. She's an mm-hmm. OB who was doing abortions and mm-hmm. had a conversion. So, you know, and there are a lot of opportunities for prayer. I think even in Sioux Falls, um, 
Uh, Sidewalk Advocates is an organization that, that are out in front of the Planned Parenthood in Sioux Falls. And lately, I've, I, I've come to know of a group of men who are meeting every Tuesday night and praying the rosary, 7 p.m. Tuesday nights. Uh, I think they... Jericho they, Wall. Jericho Wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if they've been featured or any of them have been on, but yeah. and I think they're very happy for, for more men to come out and join them. Mm-hmm. But just a, a commitment to prayer. Commitment to prayer. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's really important that this, you know... It's talking about a human issue, human rights issue, the dignity of a human person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we're going to be talking about that, I love how um, we're broadening that to the people that work there. Mm-hmm. If you're truly an advocate for human dignity, mm-hmm. then you're going to pray for those that are working there mm-hmm. and those that are performing those horrible acts. And maybe they'll end up like Dr. Patty. Mm-hmm. You never right. know. Right. You know, uncon- unconditional love is, is tough. I just had a it conversation is. with my six-year-old. Uh, <laughs> is it this morning or yesterday? Just, I told her, I, I love you unconditionally. I said, do you know what that is? And she said, no. I said, well, even if you're naughty, I love you. Even if you're standing on your head, I love you. You know, there's yeah. no condition. It's forever. Right. Without limit. Um. And that can be hard, you know, it's whether it's an abortionist or this comes up too when uh, we start talking about the death penalty is another another issue that the South Dakota Catholic Conference is engaged on. And um, it, that can just be a, a tough issue because there's mm-hmm. our, our our love, it, it, we just like want to put limits on it. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, they're too naughty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Literally. Right. Literally. Well, Mo, it has been such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. So currently, what are you doing? Um, I am a full-time missionary in the prisons for the diocese. And how is that going? Well, good, uh, but I can't get in So because of the coronavirus. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) They won't let me inside. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so there's 10 chaplains uh, in the area that can go in and uh, minister to the men. Um, But yeah. uh, Well, and I know that there, I have from uh, good sources that a lot of the inmates actually listen to Real Presence Radio. Yeah. So you just evangelize to quite a few of them because we have a lot of listeners. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yes. But speaking speaking of intercessory prayer, though, that's another kind of because you can't get in right now. If only you knew a government relations person, (laughs) maybe they could help you with this problem. but uh, just, in, I mean, you and a, a great group of others have been interceding for the men in prison, uh, like constantly, but even just yeah. like outside the walls, yeah, mm-hmm. um, getting together and how important that is. So We forget the power of prayer, don't we? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you, Mo, for stepping in and joining us today. It was such a pleasure to get to meet you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mo. All right. Well, folks, we are almost done with our show, but we have uh, a fantastic, and I cannot wait for this next interview with Dr. Patty Giebink. Giebink. I'm so good with last names. (laughs) Anyway, uh, she was an abortionist who has converted and has now stepped to the other side. So you don't want to go anywhere. This is going to be a fantastic interview. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. Live. Engaging and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.